0: On this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer, it's our turn to dive into the upcoming NFL Draft and we'll get to it next. The 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer starts right now. 5, six, 3, 2, Welcome in, everyone, once again, for this week's edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it's on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you're getting your podcast from. We appreciate you taking some time to join us as we preview the upcoming NFL draft. Figured why not? Let's jump into the fray. It seems like everybody else does, so why can't we here? at the 414 Sports Report. Before we get to all of that, our thanks, as always, to Soul Boxer, crafting and bottling bartender-quality cocktails you can enjoy anywhere. We're talking about the brandy old-fashioned, the bourbon old-fashioned, the Manhattan. They're all bottled and crafted to be true to their supper club origin. So wherever it is that you buy your libations from, make sure you look for Soul Boxer. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. So with that, let's jump in to the NFL draft. And I'm going to say this right off the bat. If you've come to us for in-depth, serious draft analysis, A, you've come to the wrong place, and B, regardless of where you go, understand this, the draft will always throw a curveball, no matter what year we're talking about. There are teams right now in their war rooms, crafting their boards, getting everything set, getting ready to hand their pick to the commissioner, thinking that they've done their due diligence, their homework, they're ready to bring in this young man into their football program, and that young man will make the difference moving forward. And the crazy thing is, more times than not, you have more misses than you have hits. And more times than not, we can procrastinate, procrastinate, whatever the word is I'm trying to say, we look forward trying to figure out what teams are going to do, where they're lacking, what they need, who they should bring in, and inevitably, come the NFL draft, especially in the first round there will be, as I said, a curveball thrown. And when that curveball is thrown, many of the draft predictions get thrown out the window. Many of those draft predictions, you know, you kind of have this systematic order and understanding of what a team needs, and then people like Mel Kuyper Jr. and the others go down the line and start filling in the blanks. But as soon as a team throws that curveball, then a lot of those picks get thrown out the window as well. And that's what makes the draft fun. That's what makes it entertaining. No one in their right mind last year, I think, thought the Packers would A, trade up. And when they did, there were two or three other candidates that many people thought the Packers were moving towards. And they end up taking a quarterback in Jordan Love. And it threw the entire NFL into a tizzy and it's still throwing us into a tizzy because in the offseason now as we approach summer what are we talking about we're talking about Jordan Love and we're talking about whether Aaron Rodgers feeling the love no pun intended from his current team and what will his future bring so it ended up absolutely flipping the apple cart in Green Bay but it is fun to go through and think about what teams need, who they might take, who we think they'll take, and then when that apple cart gets flipped, how do we then, looking at who we thought teams were going to take, how does that fit in the rest of the way? It just makes the NFL draft fun, and it's what makes the NFL what it is because the NFL has found a way to make themselves relevant 12 months out of the year for a A professional sport that really, in essence, begins at the end of August as preseason wraps up and finishes now that second week of February, they have become relevant throughout the remainder of their offseason, and this is one of the reasons why. As we sit in April, everybody in the sporting world right now is talking about the NFL draft. Basketball? trying to make its way to the playoffs, starting to amp up. We should have more excitement there. Baseball is up and running, and especially here in Milwaukee, the Brewers are playing fantastic, but the headline is the NFL draft. So we figured, why not? Let's join it. Let's run through. Let's see where those curveballs can come at us and where those picks could absolutely go awry as we make our way through the list. But before we get to what we think the rest of the NFL and the Packers will be looking at. I've got to play the clip when Mel Kuyper Jr. and the Indianapolis Colts some 20, what, seven years ago or whatever it was, when the general manager and Mel Kuyper kind of went head-to-head. I won't get into Mel Kuyper's rebuttal, but the uh, the anger, the angst of the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts when they did not pick who Mel Kuyper thought they should pick and the way Mel Kuyper kind of uh, had to sit there and take it, so to speak, it goes to show you that even people who study this for a living, in essence, you can't say you get it wrong because you're trying to predict, but things will change over the course of the draft. And so to set the tone for our NFL draft preview, I figure let's listen to uh, a little criticism of Mel Kuyper. Well, you know, we got a guy up there who in the hell is Mel Kuyper in a way. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. In my knowledge of him, he's never, ever put on a jockstrap. He's never been a coach. He's never been a scout. He's never been an administrator. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our papers two days ago telling us who we have to take. We don't have to take anybody that Mel Kuyper says we have to take. Mel Kuyper has no more credentials to do what he's doing than my neighbor, and my neighbor's a postman, and he doesn't even have season tickets to the NFL. Well, that clip, courtesy of ESPN. And, and you know, Mel Kuyper Jr. Uh, really rolled with it over this past week when people started playing that clip and uh, laminating, laminating, lamenting, I think is the word I'm really trying to say, <laughs> over uh, what took place, as I said, some, I believe, 27 years ago. Um, and it just goes to show you, not that Mel Kuyper Jr. is incompetent by any means. It just means it's an inexact science. For people that spend hours upon hours upon hours analyzing and looking at tape and looking at what teams, at least in their opinion, they need, all of those factors come into play, it's still an inexact science. So when we get to the first round, I think the only pick that is almost a certain, and I say almost a certain because you never know what a team is going to do, but the Jacksonville Jaguars with the first pick Urban Meyer now as their head coach. You know they're going to go with Trevor Lawrence. And and you can as I say almost say that with exact certainty. Excuse me I'm just butchering the English language uh, on this podcast, but Trevor Lawrence will out of Clemson be the number 1 pick when the first round is up and running. And then we go to the Jets, the 49ers, Falcons, Bengals, Dolphins. And here's where I think we could see that curveball that I was talking about earlier in the show. The New York Jets obviously got rid of Sam Darnold, which I'm not sure they needed to yet. I think with a coaching change, with a culture change at the Jets facility, I think Sam Darnold could have been the answer that they were looking for, but they've decided to wash their hands and in that trade, shipping him to North Carolina, to the Panthers, to the Carolina Panthers, that is, uh, they're looking for a quarterback. So many believe it'll be Zach Wilson out of BYU. I have question marks on Zach Wilson. We're all high on Zach Wilson because we saw the Twitter tape, the social media tape, where he was rolling to his left and essentially just zinged a strike about 70 yards without anybody chasing him. In shorts, no pads. This is, this is not necessarily a criticism of Zach Wilson. That becomes the hard part. Because when people, like you heard the general manager go after Mel Kuyper, there are people like myself who could not now necessarily roll to my left and throw the ball 70 yards. Heck, in my heyday, I couldn't roll to my left and throw the ball 70 yards. But I'm not the one who's going to be drafted. I'm not the team who has to make that pick. So part of the fun with the draft is rolling through and being a little bit critical of some of these players who are coming out of college. Zach Wilson, a very fine quarterback at BYU, but looking back this past year, who did BYU play? BYU had to go rogue in order to get a season in, and their competition wasn't necessarily as stout as it would be if the conference would have stayed intact in the midst of the pandemic. But the Jets seem to be very high on Zach Wilson. At three, this is where the curveball comes. This, to me, is where the curveball comes because the San Francisco 49ers traded up in order to slide into that number three spot. And everybody and their brother, everybody and their brother has been out there reporting that it will be Mac Jones from Alabama. Now Mac Jones, a very fine quarterback, again, playing at Alabama, um, a team where you're basically, you can play pitch and catch, but a lot of people think it will be Mac Jones. Here's where I think the curveball comes in. I honestly think it'll be Trey Lance. I think it'll be Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. I think Trey Lance fits the 49ers system better. And I don't know why I think the whole Mac Jones thing is a smokescreen. I have a feeling that the 49ers in moving up have thrown the smokescreen out about Mac Jones in order to preserve the fact that they're really high on Trey Lance. Am I guessing? Sure am. And that's that to me right now is where the wrinkle is going to be. So the key to the draft right now is that number three pick. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, you're in the high 90s as far as a for-sure lock. It's that number three pick. And so if Trey Lance, if I'm correct, and Trey Lance goes to the 49ers, then I think you could see some jockeying. That's when I believe you might find somebody like the New England Patriots willing to to give away the house in order to get somebody like Mac Jones at the quarterback spot. I I really believe that the New England Patriots are going to be wheeling and dealing as much as they can before the first round begins or as it begins to move up because I believe they really want to see one of these quarterbacks fall into their lap. And if I had to make a pick... And I'm right with the 49ers taking Trey Lance. I think it's Mac Jones then that falls, wherever that might be, to the New England Patriots. And then in all of this, we always have a quarterback. For whatever reason, that kind of slides down the proverbial ladder. It's how the Packers got Aaron Rodgers. There's always one that people scratch their heads and they can't figure out why is this quarterback sliding down the ladder. So, when I say Mac Jones and the New England Patriots, it could also be Justin Fields. It's going to be Mac Jones or Justin Fields in my mind that slides down the ladder for whatever reason, for whatever reason teams become dismissive of those two individuals. Those are going to be the two players to look at because somebody will fall. Somebody's going to go on that slide. It happens every year. So keep an eye on whether it's Mac Jones or Justin Fields that takes that proverbial slide. Then you look at the number four pick, the Atlanta Falcons. They have got to take Kyle Pitts. I, anybody in their right mind would take Kyle Pitts. He is a phenom. He is a wide receiver in a tight end body who can block, who can catch over the middle, who could run on the outside of the hash and catch the deep ball. That would be a huge pickup there. And then the other one now is Cincinnati. There are some who believe Cincinnati will go after, let's say, a Jamar Chase out of LSU. In other words, they want to provide a weapon for their young quarterback but their young quarterback tore his ACL last year. So if Cincinnati passes on somebody like Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon, another freak, not a Tony Mandridge-type freak, like a legitimate tackle, a legitimate lineman, a legitimate phenom coming out of college, if they pass on him and don't provide the protection necessary after what they went through last year, well, then you know Cincinnati is destined to be at the bottom of the AFC for quite a while. It's one of those moves that has to be a no-brainer. It's probably not a, oh, we'll call it a sexy pick in taking an offensive lineman, but everybody understands that with a First round pick last year, taking a quarterback, you got to start making sure that there are people up front to protect that individual. And Panay Sewell would fit that criteria. So in the first round, keep an eye on, as I said, that number three pick with San Francisco. Where will they go? Will it be Mac Jones? Will it be Trey Lance? Also, keep an eye on the Cincinnati Bengals at five. Do they make the smart pick, in my opinion, and go with the offensive tackle? Or do they take what, in essence, would be what we might call a sexy pick and go grab a wide receiver like Jamar Chase out of LSU? That, early on, will set the tone for how the rest of the first round goes. We're going to take a short little break. And on the other side of that 10-second break, let's talk about our Green Bay Packers and what we might find as they make their way into this year's NFL Draft. Let's take a look at our beloved Green Bay Packers and kind of think about what might be on the docket for them as the draft begins, as we said in Ernst this week and goes through the entire weekend. And as I was saying before, bless the NFL for finding themselves a way to stay relevant throughout the entire year and not just during the season and one of the ways now even with the draft is kind of prolonging it over four days, making it a weekend event. And, again, the NFL does such a magnificent job of having their product in the forefront of the sporting world. And this is just another example. Before we talk about the Packers, though, quick shout-out to our friends at Soul Boxer, our presenting sponsor. Crafting and bottling bartender-quality cocktails you can enjoy anywhere. The brandy old-fashioned, the bourbon old-fashioned, the Manhattan, all crafted true to their Supper Club origins. Look for Soul Boxer wherever, as I like to say, you pick up your livations. You will not be disappointed. So with the Green Bay Packers, 10 picks coming up in this year's draft. Now, in the past, Brian Gutekinds, the general manager, has been one who likes to trade. And so there's an abundance of picks by which to help him wheel and deal. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Their first pick comes at number 29, and the Packers obviously with a number of needs. The offensive line, we've been clamoring for another weapon for Aaron Rodgers on the outskirts, so a receiver would be nice. Obviously a defensive lineman, to help shore things up in the trenches, a middle linebacker, and another corner. Now, I'm not sure if we need a quote-unquote shutdown corner. I don't know what that is really anymore. But a corner with a high upside would definitely help the Green Bay Packers. Now, one individual who is really seeing his stock rise heading into the draft is Jamin Davis, from north carolina and there are many people now including peter king who believe that he could be the first pick that the packers uh will use on so to speak at number 29 that they will look at him as a potential draft pick there in the first round but there are others as well jeremiah and I'm not, I'm not even going to try the last name. I know I could edit this up right now, but why? I, I am not even trying the last name, the young man out of Notre Dame at linebacker. And it's funny to think because the Packers in the past have not really valued the middle linebacker position as high as some other teams. And yet many now in their mock drafts feel as if the Green Bay Packers will go with that middle linebacker spot. And we'll see. Another spot, as we said, is that wide receiver, and Rashad Bateman Jr. out of Minnesota has become really the talk of the town, Uh, many people believing that with the connections the Packers have in the front office with the University of Minnesota, that Rashad Bateman might be the individual that the packers go after at the wide receiver spot which is a little bit ironic when last year was probably the deepest and most talented uh, wide receiving class to come out in a long time and even though there are some really good wide receivers it it it's it's got the talent level it's just not as deep as last year that suddenly we would be looking at the wide receiver spot but that is a projection And then at offensive line, Crete Humphrey, the offensive lineman out of Oklahoma, could be a potential draft choice of the Green Bay Packers. As we made our way through there, the Green Bay Packers have a ton of needs, and so they are notorious for taking best on the board. So we can make all these projections, but if they don't believe that's the best athlete on the board, that the projections go by the wayside immediately, and we saw that again last year with Jordan Love. When they moved up to get the quarterback of the potential future of the Green Bay Packers, they felt he was the best player on the board, and so they went after him and, again, created the soap opera that we now see in Green Bay. But with the draft, we know the Packers have needs, we covered a couple of those individuals. Other places will do it much more in-depth, but the fun, again, will be sitting down on Thursday and Friday and maybe Saturday and Sunday, depending upon how in-depth you like to get with the NFL draft, but for sure on Thursday, seeing where teams are going to go, how they had certain individuals ranked, and, and whether or not, as I said earlier in our broadcast, whether or not that proverbial curveball is going to happen because you know, at least I believe in my heart, it will. And when it does, it's going to throw these projections right out the window, and that's what makes the NFL Draft great reality TV, especially in that opening round. So thank you again for joining us on this Week's podcast is we kind of made our way through what we felt like as far as the NFL draft goes. We'll see if we're right. We'll see who gets the most right, so to speak, uh, once teams start picking. Thank you for picking up this podcast, whether I said it's on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're getting your podcast from. Appreciate you taking some time to join us. I'm Don Wachillis. This has been the 414 Sports podcast. NFL Draft Preview Edition, (laughs) and we'll see you next week.